0: McShane, Bible study, day 124, and we're starting in Numbers 11, and so we see the people complaining in in this chapter, right? And the people are upset. Instead of realizing how blessed they are in the Lord, they're longing for their old ways in the flesh, right? They're when they, They're remembering the good parts of slavery, right? There's always... It's typically not cut and dry that, that when we choose the Lord and we walk away from things of the world and the flesh, there's always things that we remember enjoying of those things, right? And but instead of realizing how blessed they are, they're complaining about what they've had to leave behind. Well, we had meat whenever we wanted it. Now we just have manna to eat. And then Moses starts complaining to God, and he says, "How come I have to carry the burden of all these people by myself? You know, there's over six hundred thousand men. There's probably a couple million people, and all their burdens are on me." And the Lord says, "Okay, that's you know that's reasonable." And he says, "Gather seventy men, and I will put my spirit on them." And so he does, and so they are filled with the spirit. Um. And the, then there's two people who refuse to go with them, right? And then they are filled with the Spirit. And Joshua says, this must be stopped because they're prophesying. Because as they receive the Spirit of God, they start prophesying. And Moses said, I wish everyone was prophesying. Why am I going to stop them? If they're prophesying of the Lord, why would I want to stop that? It reminds me of when uh, Paul says, I wish that you would all prophesy. Right, he says that this this is a good thing to speak the the deep truths of the Lord. This is a, a powerful thing that should be everywhere. Moses had the same had the same uh, mindset, but then God was angry with the people for not depending on Him, not trusting Him, and so he after they received the quail, they received a ton of quail, more than they could imagine, and uh, and then uh a uh, be careful what you wish for sometimes right if you're you're that desperate to have something that's not from the lord's hand a plague comes on the people right and then 25 then the lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders and as soon as the spirit rested on them they prophesied but they did not continue doing so well i'm kind of going out of order here i already talked about these things yeah, 29, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And then 33, while the meat was yet between their teeth before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Um, they had not fully recognized or fully received that they were a set-apart people of God. And God needed a people that trusted him and depended upon him and did not look to the world for their pleasure, but looked to him for their pleasure, for, for their sustenance, for who they are. started to see themselves as, we're children of God. You know, we, we have something higher to trust in and believe in. Next is Psalm 48. And actually on that point, you know, uh, there was family family there from uh, Luca in italy and uh we we didn't when mommy and i were there we didn't go there i I was i didn't actually start reading about luca until we were we already had an itinerary and we're on a train i start reading about it and i start reading it's a walled city i'm like oh that would have been cool we should have gone there but uh we never did so psalm 48 is a really cool um i so i've just i I've just been reading this morning uh, Revelation eighteen through twenty, and uh, lot of similarities. I actually thought about this even in the the last uh, the chapter of Numbers that we read. Um, but he he's first he starts talking about the the greatness and the beauty of Mount Zion, right? The the risen God's people. This is very it, it's very prophetic of kind of the end times. It talks about the beauty of God's people and His you know, set apart people. But then, 4, he talks about the kings assembled. As soon as they saw it, they were astonished. They were in a panic. They took flight. <coughs> the trembling took over them, like anguish as of a woman in labor. Um, the ships are sh- are uh, shattered. The ships of Tarshish. So, you see, um, the, the people, this is exactly what John sees happening in the end times, is that people of the world system, all of a sudden, kind of, uh, Destruction coming on them, but then God pulling up a people to make himself glorious in a set apart people. And so then we see that we have thought, this is nine, we have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. The right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. So walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. So God, you know, talks about in our day a kingdom coming that will never end right this is a city of god the city of zion and so this this picture is the same it's it's a, depicted a little more clearly in revelation but this is pointing to all these same things so we're starting isaiah and um isaiah is just an awesome book i mean even the jews look to him i think as the greatest prophet um at least writing prophet he Elijah's held up as like a great prophet but we don't have writings from him right Isaiah has a long wonderful writing full of uh just incredible prophecy things that have already happened things that will happen yeah. and no, bring that back the dog so let's just go through some of the things um so, it starts off, you know, pretty much right in the beginning. Uh, the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. So, God lamenting the fact that his people, who are his people, are not acting according to his ways. This is mm-hmm. right along the line with what we were already talking about. And uh, I mentioned Revelation 18 to 20 earlier. I would have kept reading, but I just ran out of time. Um but, but it, this exact same picture, Isaiah establishes right in the beginning. God has always moved in this way. If you look at the as we go through the history of the Bible, you'll see God has always done this. When his people no longer represent him, he brings judgment on those people and he pulls a remnant out and he blesses those people so that his ways are preserved. You see that? And then over time, his ways are more and more fully understood and lived out in his people. And so he still wants the fullness of, of that picture. And so Isaiah is, is pointing to that. Uh-huh. Were you wanting to say something, Helen? What? Hurry. Can I please wash off of a nap? Yes, go ahead. And then for A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children mm-hmm. who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. So again, the the people who are supposed to represent God are are dealing corruptly with Him. They've gone about the ways of the world while still claiming God. Right? It's a complete mixture. And so, going down to seven, we we see uh, destruction. The country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire, and your very presence foreigners devour your land. So we see, you know. The, destruction and judgment coming against these who are supposed to represent the Lord. But eight, and the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. So the true Zion, there's hardly you know much left. Nine, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. So he says there is a remnant left over, right, that preserves his way, that lives for his way. And then, and then God goes on about the sacrifices and offerings. They go about sacrifices and offerings. Uh, it's a picture of religious ways. He says, I don't care for your religious ways. I, this, God said this so many times over and over again in the Old Testament, but the people never understood because God had set up the sacrifices and offerings, right? And so how do we put those two things together? Because the, the people of Israel never really did. And what it was, was I, I'm not looking for you to have a religion that you check off these certain boxes. I did this and I did that. And therefore, I'm good with God. Now I'm going to live just like the world. He says, no, that is not my purpose or my plan for you. I want you to live with me, for me, through me and in me. And then I will bless you. And so he says, bring no more vain offerings, incenses, and abomination to me, new moon and Sabbaths and calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Um, And then, so 18, come now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. He says, so even though you have been full of sin up until now, I'm providing a way. I'm providing Jesus for your red sins to be washed white and clean. So you will stand clean before me, right? I'm providing this way for you. He says, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. So he says, you know, you, you get to choose. 21, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. So we, we see this picture of a people that have gone their own way, right? People of God who no mm-hmm. longer represent him. Again, this is exactly what the end of Revelation talks about. Um, 25, I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as would lie and remove all your alloy, and I will restore your judges as at the first, And your counselor says at the beginning, afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. So he says, I will take away. We talked about this before, Mm -hmm. how he takes us through trials and difficulties to train us up. Right. And it's just like taking uh, gold or silver and taking out, smelting out the dross. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that here again, that he uses this process to remove all your alloy, to remove the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh from us, so that we become a purified people that live for him. I was, I was thinking about it earlier that it's like in this world, we live in a two dimension. People always think about heaven as like some far off place without realizing that the heavenlies are all here. It's more about, do you guys know what a dimension is? up like and die. down. So, y'all, I think we've seen cartoons where they have, like, a, a 2D. They have, like, the old black and white cartoons. Yeah. And it's, it's like, two-dimensional. And then all of a sudden they rip through, they break through, and it's all color, and it's, like, three-dimensional. Right? And it mm. seems like they're coming off the screen and everything. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that. the the realities of heaven is more like adding extra dimensions to our life so we have a lot more fuller existence we have access to the throne room of god there's there's just so much more than the 2d existence of the worldly life you see that when when god uh, put the cherubim with the sword at the at the Garden of Eden to cut off access to the tree of life it was not like some hidden place it was it became a hidden reality and Christ made it possible for us to enter back into this reality and over time this whole world will be rolled up and renewed into the this fuller reality but in the meantime, he gives access. So Jesus had the full access of this mm-hmm. kind of reality, even in the earth, right? And he, he provided a way so we can have that same access. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So he has to remove the alloys from us, right? He has to take us through this process, this uh, baptism of fire. And then he will restore judges and counselors in order to help the people grow up, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it's important to recognize who, who is above us in, in the Lord, teaching us and growing us as a judge and a counselor. And as, as we mature, our, you know, the Lord should, if we, if we mature in him and become a mature son of God, he will place us as judges and counselors. Does that make sense? The, the, the thrones in the heavenlies that have been occupied for thousands and thousands of years by Satan's kingdom Mm-hmm. those aren't meant for his kingdom those are meant for the mature sons of God that makes sense mm-hmm. uh 27 Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness but rebels and sinners shall be broken together um and and he says 29 for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen is there anything wrong with oaks and gardens No, but it's saying you've chosen, to these people, you've chosen worldly ways instead of my ways. And so you thought, oh, I have these beautiful oaks. Oh, I have these beautiful gardens. He says, but there a day will come when you realize there's something so much better than just the things of this world. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And we wrap up in Hebrews nine, and it's really amazing how all these chapters are tying together, and and also for me with what I read this morning. so he starts talking about the tabernacle, right? He's talking about, or the temple. Um, he's talking about, look, there was a holy of holies, and then there was a holy place. Only the priest could go into the holy place, right? You, the regular Levites were all out in the outer court, and they loved to visit and visit the outer court. That was a wonderful thing. But they couldn't go any deeper in. Most the people of God, right? Only the Levites could go into the holier place to serve and the or the priests and as far as the holy of holies only the high priest could go in only once a year okay this is like a picture of god's throne room right this is where the presence of god was and so He's, he, you know, he's talking about what it was like. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. So he's just gotten a bit talking about the precious items that are. They all have symbolism, and he's saying, "Look, these are an amazing thing to spend time with the Lord." Saying, "What does each of these represent to us?" But I, he says, "I'm not going to lay all that out for you. Seek the Lord." F six. that is not made of sticks and stones but made in spirit through people according to this arrangement gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper so he goes on to say he's saying look God set up all these rituals but it never perfected anyone it is simply a for one it was an important thing at the time for the people to go through like I said there's been this progression through history and so it was an important part of the progression but no one was perfected from it. It, ha- it simply pointed to something bigger. Whoops, I just realized I wasn't recording that last bit. I guess that will wrap us up because our time is done here. Uh, really, Hebrews, what chapter was that? God about? bless you. Was it Hebrews 11? It was It was, It was. was an amazing ending to this topic that we've been on. Hebrews 9. So I recommend it. You check it out. But I we just spent quite a few minutes talking about it and we weren't recording so god bless you